So what some of you might not see, and specifically online, we had a great moment here where, as we were doing the kids' blessing, we had a kid in like the starting blocks ready, just, just ready to get down there, which is so encouraging. Uh, so yeah, we, we love the kids here. We love that there's some great opportunities for them to grow and knowing Jesus more, living it out, and being in community. So that is an awesome moment that I just wanted to make sure this part and online know about is kids are excited. So good morning. I am Brad. I am the lead pastor in this community, and I have some good news for you. There are some moments in life that things happen and they can't be undone. Right? They, they only happen once, and that, un, that happening cannot be unhappening. For most of us, we kind of drift to the negative. Right? It's likely that first moment that trust was broken. Uh, maybe you know or you've experienced a story of a spouse that didn't stay faithful. Or maybe it was a dating relationship that you've had where you found out that there was somebody else. Maybe you are a parent or you have friends that have teens and trust just keeps being broken over and over again. Maybe it's not trust at all for you. Maybe it's something that you said. Maybe it's something that was said to you and those words, that moment that it landed just doesn't go back. Right? There's consequences in our actions. Maybe you did something. Maybe you were a victim of something. Maybe a moment happened and people were left hurt, maimed, or estranged. Right? There's moments that we don't get do-overs. There's moments where we don't get to have a rewind, where we just can't try to do it again. We can't patch it up and go back. And in these moments, we can be a part of restoration or lean towards that. We can work out some sort of correcting directions. We can engage with the reality as it is, but the reality is it won't be undone. And so one, we do need Jesus to work and to redeem and to restore and reclaim. That's what he does, that's what he's doing, that's what he will continue to do in all those moments that you may have thought of when you think of what can't be undone. But that's not the good news. The good news is that there's also moments of good that can't be undone. That's when something happens in history, everything else from it is rippled out in good, positive, and beautiful ways. In the same ways that you might think of the negative, that can also be true for good. And so today, we are looking at a moment in history which had echoes and ripples out throughout history from it. We are looking at Mark 1, 1 to 11. So if you want to open up your apps or your Bible nearby, that's where we're going to be spending the majority of our time today. Allow me to pray over our time together. Heavenly Father, we are here. We're here before you and with you. We ask for your truth to saturate our lives, to form us in your image, and to guide us as we walk, as we pause, and as we stay in places. May we know that you are here with us today, and may your word speak to us. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. Now, most of us would have thought I was jumping to the historical moment of the cross. Any hands up on that one? No, hands up. Yeah, somebody. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And that moment was absolutely like the biggest moment in history that changed everything. But one of the challenges with such a huge thing is that we can miss other moments throughout history and throughout Jesus' life and throughout the early church that also leaves these rippling effects. And here we find one of those stories in Mark 1, 1 to 11. The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, 
As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling out in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching and baptizing of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothes made of camel hair and a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandal I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love, with you I am well pleased. In this passage, there's a lot to unpack and we will be unpacking that in our time together. But did any of you catch the change that is happening there? Did it, did it stand out to you? Heaven was torn open. Right, we get caught up in so many things in history, and we missed just a little line, almost a throwaway line, you might think. But heaven was torn open in the moment that Jesus rose up from the water. I'm going to highlight this for a little bit, and we'll circle back to the larger text. But in Ezekiel 1.1, we read, in the th uh, 13th year, in the fourth month, on the fifth day, while I was among the exiles by the Kabar River, the heavens were open, and I saw a vision of God. If you were to jump over to Genesis 7, you'd read in that passage again, heavens open. In Deuteronomy 28, the Lord will open the heavens. In 2 Kings 7, heavens are open. Psalm 78, Isaiah 54, or 40, 45, the heavens are being opened. But in this opening, something's different. When they talk about opening the heavens, it's open and you carry on. But in this moment, in this story, it's, it's a little bit more like maybe an Amazon package. Right? If, if you look at the Amazon packages you get, if you are planning to reuse the box, you slowly, methodically open it, you take the things out, you break it down, maybe store it, maybe you leave it open. You're gentle with it. But when you have no intent of going back, right, you know the Amazon package, where you just rip the thing open. You tear it open, you're like, I don't, even, I don't even care. This is going and recycling out. I'm getting what's in there. It's kind of like Christmas morning, where you rush down, maybe you're a chick, maybe even now these days, you still rush down and you want to open up the gifts. You tear off things. You want to get in. You have no intent of this being put back together. And I use that story of Christmas intentionally, because I think that's another moment in history that we see things happen, and it's never unhappening. The kingdom of God is coming close. And so we see in this story that when Jesus rises up from the water, heaven's torn open. There's no intent of going back. See, in Mark's telling of the gospel of Jesus, he jumps over the birth story and he rips heaven open. He wants us to know that the ministry of Jesus is opening up something that we're never going back from. And before, they, they've recorded the gospel stories, and they focus mostly 
on like the early stories of Jesus's story where an angel appears and we get to see how things are changing slowly and over time. But in this moment, it's abrupt. It's disruptive. The kingdom is breaking in. In our series, you will see the graphic up there. I would, I would love for you to picture a bit of this is that the overlapping in those two circles is what Jesus is doing. He's bringing the kingdom of heaven over and in to the other circle. That what once was separated now is breaking in. The uh, gospel tells us that God is active. That God wants to be a part of these moments. That he doesn't want to stand off at a distance. And we saw that throughout all the history leading up to this moment. But here we get to see that there's a breaking in. And it was good news at the beginning of this where John the Baptist comes on the scene. And that might be where the people of Israel were first excited. See, there has been a 400-year silence from the last time that they heard from a prophet, Malachi. And this doesn't mean that God wasn't present. This doesn't mean that God wasn't engaging in creation. It just means that it had been a long season since God had spoken through a prophet. And so out in the wilderness, the silence breaks, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem came out to him. And they were confessing their sins and they were being baptized in that river. When Mark writes this story, he wants to make sure that we are catching the connection in this moment in the wilderness. That it's not just a, a rogue prophet. No, that this is a story that has been built on that all the prophets before have said, I will send my message ahead, who, uh, ahead of you who will prepare your way. That's Malachi. A voice of one calling out in the wilderness prepares the way for the Lord, makes straight a path for him. Isaiah. So in this land, there is earth-shattering news, something that's worth driving out into the Jordan. They didn't have cars, but we today would be like, oh, we got to get out there because something is happening. And so they're excited. They're moving out there because the silence, the 400 years of silence is broken. And this voice that is breaking the silence says there's good news. Better news than the silence being broken right here. There's another one, a one greater than I. He says, after me comes one more, poor, more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. This is kind of like a Steve Jobs thing, where like, you just unroll this big announcement, 400 years silence breaking, Come, repent, God is on the move. Oh, and there's one more thing, right? That's the classic Steve Jobs at the end of the presentation. And that last thing's a huge thing. So these 400 years of silence breaking could have been enough for everybody there to be excited. Right? They want God. That's what they are. They're God's people. They, they've been looking for ways to restore his kingdom as they thought was fit. But here, God is on the move, and the silence is broken. What's wild is when Mark writes this passage, Jesus blends into the crowd. Right Up until the moment he comes up from the water, where the plains of the water are broken, he's, on the, he's in the crowd. He blends in. The silence was broken, but here Jesus, as he comes up from the water, changes everything. 
as he comes up, the heavens are torn open, and the Spirit descends. And there's this voice of God declaring joy and love for his Son. See, this opening is not a temporary or seasonal opening. It's a, a torn open. There's no going back. That which once was cannot be restored. And God has no intent of restoring that divide, that space between. The question that arises, I'm sure many of us have thought, is why would Jesus be baptized? Right? Isn't baptism linked to the sins? And isn't Jesus supposed to be sinless? Good question? No? Nobody's thinking that? All right, yeah, thank you, thank you. Yeah, a few hands there, yeah. So it's, it's worth identifying that sins weren't washed away in the waters. The other point is that as Jesus is on that bank, he blunt in, not because of his sin condition, but how near and dear he was to those around. He was one of them, apart from them. So when Jesus enters the water, he's not entering to be washed of his sins. He didn't have any. He enters the water to be identified with the sinners, to be part with them, embodying ultimately what he's going to be doing on the cross. He didn't stand out in the crowd, and he didn't stand out in the water until the moment where we see him come up. Uh, there's Pope Benedict XVI. You may have heard of him. He writes on this passage. The, the novelty is the fact that Jesus wants to be baptized, that he blends into the gray mass of sinners waiting on the banks of the Jordan. Benedict goes on to write, Jesus, who became man, is like us in everything except sin. He humbled himself in order to save us. He inaugurated his public activity by stepping into the place of sinners. His inaugural gesture is an anticipation of the cross. Jesus so closely identifies with us that he would enter the very waters with us, that he'd be found in the place for us. And as Jesus continues to identify with us, to be present to us in the spaces that we really don't think he belongs, we see that he stretches all that is between us, tearing it open and drawing closer and closer. What's, note, what's noteworthy also in this story is that those waters that he enters is a waters with story. That is the Jordan River. It has a deep, significant space in Israel's history. Time and time again, there's something happening at the Jordan River, and God has used many a person there. You have Joshua, who is part of the waters. You see Elijah and Elisha, also part of the waters. These are moments where God's power and God's presence is active, showing the people that God is with them. And here Jesus gets into that water, and he doesn't part it. He parts heaven. A greater power is seen. And from that parting, we see that the Spirit comes down and anoints Jesus, empowering him and encouraging him. That in this water that has such deep history to it, Jesus is doing yet again something new. Here is the greater one. Right? Joshua, Elijah, Elisha, all these great ones in that water, walking through. Here is the greater one. The Spirit has descended. Here is Jesus. Heaven 
has come close. And a broken silence isn't even half the story. We get to pause in this time in history and look back at creation. We get to pause with all those who've gone before us reading the passage of Mark. Because throughout history, this is Mark's start of the gospel. The gospel isn't just a good news. For Mark, the gospel is Jesus. It's his gospel. It's his life. It's what he is doing, what he is embodying in creation. And as we know, the story goes on in our lives, in our community, in a service. God is with us, and the heavens are open. And God is walking with his people. And God wants to be with those sinners on the banks as they are repenting and turning, turning to God or returning to God. Many of them have, may have had complicated stories, much like your own, where you've had moments where you were just so close. And other times where you're like, man, I really don't know what I believe. And God wants to meet them on that bank. He wants to be present to them, identifying with them. And so we see that heaven is torn open, which leads to the next question. Are you open? Right? God has done some amazing things. Ripping open the divide between heaven and earth is, is pretty big. But still inside ourselves, we can find ourselves closed off. Skeptical, maybe. Hesitant. Maybe we were found on the banks where we thought one thing, but we are now called to step in. Called to step out. And we aren't quite sure about that. The reality is that heaven is coming to earth. And it's coming through Jesus. And it, are you full-heartedly open to following him? I mean, this isn't about a guilt trip. This is about just naming reality. Sometimes we're not could be this moment. You may be noticing it swelling up in yourself. Or maybe today you sit here and you, you think that you are, and later this week you're like, oh, wait a minute, God, maybe I'm not. It's about continually finding Jesus and bringing ourselves to him, saying, I am in. I am open. And as things come up that can't be undone, saying, I don't know what to do about this, and know that he's not far off. He's found on the banks and in the water and with you, with us. See, if you're open to life change, it's not just change from sin. It's actually change towards a kingdom of God lived out here, lived out in here, you know, waged war often up in here, you know that story. But that it's entering into a relationship with God. And what's beautiful and also awkward is when we follow Jesus, when we enter into this relationship, we also get siblings. Right? And not everybody gets along. Many people on Sunday, so like you can put together who's around here. But as we go about this journey together, we also get to work and wrestle and struggle with one another in good and beautiful, positive ways, but also challenging ways where you find out your edges and their edges, and then seek for Jesus in that gap. See, John the Baptist, he came preaching after a long silence, and the people were hungry. And when they heard the word, God is on the move. They came out in droves. They wanted a change towards God. They wanted to move towards him, confessing and following. And that next step for them was baptism. So let's just talk about baptism. Right? Baptism is a marker. It doesn't wash you clean. It names that you are committed to following Jesus. It's held as the first tangible step in your response to Jesus. 
In our community, we want to be fully devoted followers of Jesus. So when he tells us to do something, we want to be doing it. See, in baptism, you are stepping out into this faith, into this journey with Jesus. Saying, I am in. And what's beautiful is when we get in, we know that we're coming out the other side. We're coming out with Jesus. See, baptism somehow, somewhere along the lines, may have gotten confusing for you. Maybe not confusing for me, where we start looking at it and thinking, oh, I need to have all this organized, all this happening. I, I need to give up all my sins. Well, yeah, you always do. But we want to give them up before we enter the water. So then we are coming in some way. Or maybe it's like, I theologically don't know everything. And so I'm going to wait till I know everything. Then I'm going to enter the waters. Or maybe you're like, I'm not sure what this means for my life. And so until I have it all figured out, I have an action plan for my discipleship strategy, I cannot enter the waters. But that's not simply true. If you want to follow Jesus, go for it. The rest of it is worked out. Honestly, actually, it's the, the problem with us trying to be the leader, us trying to solve our own problems, that actually causes us not to follow Jesus well. He is the leader, and if we try to jump him and tell him our action plan and how we are going to cover up our sins and figure them out, and now we can be in proper relationship with him, he's not leading us. We're trying to lead him. And so baptism is a response. And we see that the people in this passage saw God moving, and they wanted to be a part. So I don't know for you if, if baptism is something that's on your radar, something that you are thinking about. I would love to just have a conversation. Uh, maybe remove a barrier. Allow you to feel comfortable and heard before you even consider the next step. The pressure is not to be baptized. It's an opportunity for you to make a symbol in your life where you say, I am all in. It's following out Jesus' commandment when he says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that I have commanded. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. The message that John preached, repent, Turn your ways towards the kingdom, and that the kingdom is at hand. That's, that's the gospel. Jesus is breaking in, and Jesus in that moment is ripping apart that which divides us from God. We know that this leads us down a journey, a lifelong journey, where we get to partner with the Holy Spirit as he is doing his work to restore us into the image of God that we were made to hold. Not the one that we think we have, not the one we think we should have, not the one that everybody else on Instagram has, but the one that God uniquely made for you. When he thought about you at the beginning of creation, said, man, I love, insert your name tag there, so much. And they will bear my image in creation. We get to be a part of that story in our own lives, and then we get to live out of that story in others. So in this moment where Jesus is coming out of the water, there's one last thing I want to highlight as we are closing out our time. Is that the, the spirit comes down and it's almost a picture, it is a picture, of the beginning story in Genesis. If you opened up the Bible and you read the first thing, you'd see the spirit hovering over. And that this is a marker of the new creation that God is doing. That this work through Jesus is about to start a new beginning in all of creation. That it's about to do a new work a new thing in your life, in my life, and in that historical moment ever forward.
We know that this leads towards the cross, which we'll be looking at in a few more weeks as we're coming up on Easter, which is our, our big celebration is knowing that not only did a good man be born, that he grew up, that he was baptized, but that good man was murdered. And that good man was murdered in my place and in your place. That he was giving up his life where he could have said, no, I actually didn't do any of these things and walked off. But you know, he had to be in a place, in a space, in a time to restore, to reclaim his beloved children, his beloved creation. You, your neighbors, your co-workers. And so in this moment, we get to identify that Jesus is starting a new thing in Mark 1. And that's why Mark writes it the way he does. Yeah, you thought 400 years of silence being broken was big? Here is Jesus. He is the good news. I'm going to ask Jeremy to come up and we will close with a, a reflection song. But for you today, the question is, are you open to a relationship with God? One with the God who is bringing an inbound kingdom to earth. See, God wants to live out his kingdom in each one of our lives uniquely, in our community, and in all of creation. Today, the question is not, is heaven open? Is God trying to do things here? The question really comes down to, am I open to the work of Jesus? And so maybe today it's actually talking about baptism. Maybe you've been thinking about it for years, and today is the day you're like, all right, I'm going I'm to take a step forward. Maybe today it's looking at your life and identifying other spaces because you've taken that step. But find the spots that you are actually closed off to the kingdom breaking in. There's areas in your life, there always will be, we are not done until we're dead, that God is going to be working and working and working. And then you're like, I got it. And then he's like, oh, yeah, sorry, turn it over. Oh, no. But God wants to work with us as heaven draws nearer and deeper into our lives into our community, and into creation. Uh, so looking forward, there's uh, a quick thing that's coming up as well, is there's a seminar that we are offering. It's a six-week seminar, which we are encouraging all of our community groups to be a part of. The seminar is about hearing God. It's about growing in practices or confidence to know that as a child of God, you have a birthright in Jesus to hear from him. It's not always easy, it's not always simple, it's not always thus says the Lord or a burning bush. That's why we want to create this opportunity to gather. There's a uh, church in Manitoba, so you know it's something big if it's coming from Manitoba. It's kind of like the, out in the wilderness, right? There's a, a church in there that we've been partnering as a denomination with in Church Renewal. And so we're going to be using some of their material for six weeks where we'd love for our community groups to uh, rearrange their schedule after Easter to come and gather Tuesday nights. And if you're not in a community group, that's perfect, because we also would love to invite you to come and experience community in a different way, where we engage with these ideas of hearing from God. We listen to some practices, and we apply them to our lives week after week after week, because there's something beautiful when silence is broken. And for some of us, we may be trusting pastors to tell us all the things we need to apply in our lives. Good, thank you. But there's one greater. Jesus loves you so much that he wouldn't leave the silence there. He wouldn't leave the, the heavens with any opportunity of closing. He wants to draw close and near and deep with you. And so, Jeremy, if you will, lead us in a time of reflection.
let's just pray this uh, in our hearts as we sing it. Make this a declaration that we're going to build the rest of our lives on the Lord. And uh, ask yourself, what is it that the Lord has called you to do in response to this message from Pastor Brad, in response to everything you've heard and felt and uh, experienced this morning? Um, really, the Jesus, the only one who will ever save. 